From the coast of Lake Osakis to the coast of the Pacific Ocean, I'm Chilenga. And I'm Dylan. And this is the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. Hello, Dylan. I feel like I'm in Twilight Zone. Dude, I'm back in the hosting seat. And let me tell you, it feels good. It feels right. This is where I belong. A king in his throne. Actually, I do feel like a king. It's really nice. It's really nice. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to my man Troy from Osakis. I said Lake Osakis today just for you. Troy, I love you. Troy boy. I'm drinking an Invictus beer right now. He works at Invictus. Um, mm. So, shouts Wait, to so you. He's the, he's the one who has the, uh, the WrestleMania or whatever beer. Yes. I'm drinking a WrestleMania beer from Invictus that I first tried at Troy's house because he brought it home from work. Thank you, Troy. Smash down. All right. Enough of that. Um, we are talking Timberwolves because uh, recently there was some pretty big Timberwolves news. Sounds like Glenn Taylor is trying to sell the team. Dylan, what are your thoughts? Yeet! That's it. So I guess it's it sounds like there's several groups. The the most exciting group is a group that is led by KG. Um, apparently he's got a couple other billionaires, other billionaires. He's not a billionaire. A couple billionaires uh, signed up to join his group, and it seems like he's gonna have the scratch to make it happen. Um, I believe the franchise is worth 1.5 billion, and Glenn Taylor is asking at least 1.2 billion. Um so his his requests are at least 1.2 billion and I think two. Forbes had it at 1.3. Forbes had it at 1.3. Okay. Thank you. I think so, but I'll cut it out if that's wrong. But yeah, his his two requests are A meet that 1.2 or 1.3 billion dollar level and B the team stays in Minnesota. Um, obviously, KG wants to keep the team in Minnesota. I know there's another group that's being formed by Aaron Aflalo. I don't really know how he has that cash. He made $56 million in his NBA career. I mean, clearly he's not the leader of the group <laughs> as far as like financial investment. But um, I don't know. Maybe he is a low-key, hyper-rich dude, and we just don't know. Maybe he's got some other he's outside like, ventures that we don't know about. He's got some Dinwiddie ventures. And then the word is... There is interest by the Wilf family, uh, who own the Vikings. Um, and those are like the three groups that I've heard the most on. Dylan, have you heard any other groups being interested in the Timberwolves? Absolutely no interest. If you're a billionaire, why would you invest your money in a team like the Timberwolves? Yeah. Um, <laughs> billionaires became billionaires because they're selfish and greedy, and Timberwolves don't make money, so... Uh, I can't see a lot of people wanting to buy this team. But, you know, there are only 30 basketball teams. That being said, do you want your basketball team to be in Minneapolis? Well, there should be a market for it, it theoretically, but so far that has not proven to be the case. So. so Dylan and I have been really excited about KG buying the team because that just seems... Until today. Yeah, yeah, it seems right. It seems like what... what we need it seems like the uh, the way for kg to finally be embraced by the fans and you know that his jersey can finally go up in the rafters and he can be you know the all-time best timberwolf uh outright 
and you know take his rightful place. However, today, TwinCities.com uh, reported that KG is willing to invest $200 million to buy the Timberwolves. So here's, here's what the report says. That's good. Here's, here's a quote. The group includes two billionaires from California and another from Florida. Garnett's investment is said to be $200 million and he would be the head of basketball operations. <laughs> Dylan, this was just about the worst news that we could have possibly gotten. We were so excited about KG stepping in as a hands-off owner who's just there to like make sure the team goes on the right path. And look at him, want, you know, being the competitive professional athlete that he is. He wants to be in charge of basketball operations, which means personnel decisions, contract decisions, all things that, in my opinion, should be left to someone with more experience in that role someone who has more experience in understanding the advanced stats and trends of the game today because no offense but a seven footer who spent his entire nba career essentially in the post isn't exactly going to be the prototypical basketball mind that you want running a team in 2021 yeah also we just hired Gerson Rosas, who so far has been doing an at least intriguing job. I think he's been doing a good job, but I, I think it would be hard to argue that he's done a bad job so far. Well, you can't really argue either way. He's completely destroyed the team, and he's building it from scratch. Yeah. And it's like, if KG's going to come in here and start telling Gerson what to do... He's not going to be able to finish his job, and it's just going to ruin the Timberwolves for another five years. And I, th- the thing that I really liked about Gerson was it seemed like he really had the reins to be able to do what he wanted, and that's kind of that's probably the most important thing in terms of uh, in terms of the front office is giving them the opportunities to like do what they want. That's what that's the problem with Jim Dolan. Yeah, and so they end up doing stupid things like hiring Tom Thibodeau. Uh, which is uh, a conversation for another pod but fuck i feel so bad for the knicks good luck Uh, the last thing i would just want to say on this is that you know it's like it's a bad look for you like like gerson rosas got the job because he went through a process and you know he he worked his way up through the houston rockets organization and then when the wolves were hiring for a new president of basketball operations he like they went through a whole interview process with multiple rounds of interviews they they interviewed a lot of candidates and gerson rosas earned that job and it just it's a bad look to come in and buy a team and then take away power from the person that like impressed people uh around the team and you know really earned that position and i know kg probably doesn't trust Glenn Taylor as far as like his decision making. I know that KG didn't doesn't make the decision to begin with. Yeah, he was, you know, he was out he was out of the process and that he that was intentional. And so I understand KG wanting to like de Glenn Taylorize the team, but I think he needs to understand that the team has been de Glenn Taylorized. I think Glenn in the past couple of years has taken a really big step back from being involved in the process and like what's happening on the court and off the court. And the team is really becoming a much better run organization. And I would hate 
for KG, our darling, to come in and disrupt what feels like progress as far like organizational progress that we've been making. The wrath of Kevin following up the wrath of Khan. <laughs> um, I mean, whatever. I won't be we, that upset if he buys the team because it'll be awesome. So like, <laughs> yeah, we've seen what it was like. We've had Kevin McHale as, as our front office person for a very long time. And as a coach at one point and Kevin McHale was fine and he gave us Kevin Garnett. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he also <laughs> never delivered a championship, and somehow, like, if you draft Kevin Garnett and you were somehow not able to win a championship, that's on the front office, not putting the right team around him. Yeah. So if Kevin Garnett does the exact same thing, like, it's like the, the first Minnesota, like the, the Minnesota darling, uh, Kevin McHale, prevents Kevin Garnett from winning a championship. Now Kevin Garnett's going to prevent Carl Anthony Towns from winning a championship. It just feels like poetry in motion. Yeah, you know what? I think that <laughs> our next star, I think we can't draft another star player if their name starts with a K. That just seems like a cursed Kevin. proposition. Yeah, the, the Minnesota the Minnesota <laughs> K is Kevin Love, Kevin Garnett, Kevin McHale. We're doomed by fate. It, it, <laughs> it's a little it's a it's a little scary for me um but yeah so the timberwolves have 12 years left on their target center lease and they just spent 100 million dollars on renovations um so they're going to be in the target center until further notice uh i personally would love to see a new stadium eventually because i think the target center is ugly and bad um no matter how much money they spend on renovations but we don't we want the whoever buys the team to pay for it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't I don't want to pay for it. We don't need the taxpayers <laughs> of Minnesota to pay for that like they did US Bank Stadium which is just so messed up and uh if you know that if the Wilfs buy the Timberwolves that the city of Minneapolis will be paying for a, for a stadium within the next decade. Let's get I want I want Jeff Bezos to pay for our stadium. Like oh how how much stake in the team does he need to build us a stadium? <laughs> no, he would never do it. He's too shrewd of a businessman. He they, this wouldn't make him any money. So, <laughs> um, but you know what? Charity. There's always the charity angle. That's true. There is always George a charity. Floyd, George Floyd Stadium. He would never do it. Um, <laughs> also, there's. St- that that's weird. It's there's some weirdness with that. Um, <laughs> uh, do, you, do you care to elaborate, or are we moving on? Speaking of redistribution of wealth, let's talk free agency. Since the Wolves are um, not playing anymore, they're not in the bubble. Obviously, the only things we have to look forward to are free agency and the draft. Um, first up is I guess they, unless, the draft comes first before free agency, doesn't it? Unless they have the Delete 8 tournament that everybody's start, starting to talk about. I would love the Delete 8 tournament. It's never going to happen, but I would love it. And There's I think, absolutely no way Carl would be joining the Timberwolves for that. No. There's just no way. No way. I'm, there, it's, there, it's unrealistic. They're not going to gather all these players who are on vacation like they're done. Like, hey, gear up. We're actually going to have a tournament. No way. Malik Beasley would be there in a heartbeat. Yeah, Josh Okogie you know would be would. there. <laughs> and our guy, J-Mac. Yeah. Um, 
But we're going to talk about free agency right now. So we've got a few key free agents coming up, some restricted free agents. So our, our biggest restricted free agent is Malik Beasley. He turned down while he was a member of the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets tried to extend his contract three years for $30 million. His agent is Rich Paul, who is notorious for getting his players, um, how should I say this, overpaid. So it's it's curious to me because he was in such a small role in Denver, and then he came to Minnesota and played, what, 12 games? And in those 12 games, he looked awesome. He was hitting shots. He was competing on defense. He looked like he had the ability to be a starting level uh, shooting guard in the NBA. But it was a 12-game sample size. What are your thoughts on this, Dylan? 14 game sample size. Chilinga. 14 game sample size. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that he has a really good opportunity to be like either sixth man uh, where he has some scoring off the bench and can play some good defense or to be in that rotation with uh, D'Lo, in that guard rotation with D'Lo and Josh Okogie, etc. And not to say that Josh will be a starter in, on the any Wolves team, but uh, but that like they can those three can be effective together somehow in some way whether they're playing with each other or not, and whether or not we draft a point guard because we could be getting our obviously uh, I'm excited about Lamelo Ball as, as well as you, but uh, I I think that there is a spot for him in that even for maybe what we could get him for because I the problem with Denver is that he was only playing uh, 18 minutes a game for them. And that was down from 23 minutes a game last year. This year he was eighth on the team in minutes. And last year he was seventh on the team in minutes. And I just think that, uh, Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm getting called. And there are so many noises that are going on during this. Sorry. <laughs> I just think that the Wolves can at least give him 25 to 30 minutes a game, which is... I think just as important to him as getting paid $15 million a year. So if, if we can get him on a favorable contract, which I think is possible given the fact that the Timberwolves can give him a lot of minutes and uh, he can grow alongside a young core and Carl and D'Lo, et cetera, Josh, um, maybe even Jake L. Uh, I think that there's a possibility that we can get him for a good deal and that it'll be the smart move for the Timberwolves to make. I mean, he, he played really well. So he was 42.5% from three on 8.2 attempts per game, three and a half makes. He was averaging 20 points, five rebounds, even two assists. Yeah, I mean, he his shooting is legit because he's 38% on his career on, like, what is it, 700-some attempts, 740 attempts? Yeah. Average of three and a half attempts per uh, per game. So seven hundred ninety one yeah. attempts. So I mean that's that's a significant sample size, and he's at thirty eight percent. So at the very 39, least, thirty eight point eight percent. Yeah, at the very least, we know he is a legitimate shooter. What we saw in Minnesota that we hadn't necessarily seen was the ability to score at multiple levels. So he was shooting fifty one percent from two in the 14 games on 8.4 attempts per game. So if he can continue that, then we've got a legitimate like offensive force. 
Um, and then the other thing we saw was a real competitiveness on defense, which I, I'm not, I don't really recall ever seeing at Denver. Not that I, you know, watched a ton of Malik Beasley at Denver, but he really showed a ton of uh, competitiveness on the defensive end. So Malik Beasley's uh, average in those 14 games of, of 20 points and five rebounds, 1.9 assists. Ooh. You know, statistically, looking at shooting guards in the league, that would put him around 15th in the league, you know, in the in the 12 to 15 range, if that was expanded across a whole, se- uh, whole season. And if you're in the top half of the league at a starting position, statistically, you can make a lot of money. I don't think, however, 14 games is enough for the Timberwolves to sign Malik Beasley to a huge number. Uh, I don't think that the Timberwolves want to be locked in with D'Lo, Beasley, and Towns as their, like, three guys. Um, that, <laughs> that doesn't sound very good. Um, and I know the market this year is going to be weird because there's not a lot of free agents, and there's also a lot of weird money stuff with COVID-19 and the the issues with the the china with china earlier this year with the china i'm trying to do, i'm trying to be like trump right now <laughs> oh god don't try um, <laughs> so i mean so personally i would love to see malik beasley making 12 to 15 million a year i think that's fair for him 3 for 45 or something like that yeah or like 4 for 60 I mean, if we can get him on a four-year deal, that would be amazing. But I highly doubt that he would take a longer deal right now just because he's in like the time in his career where every year he can take another step in terms yeah. of skill. Yeah. I wonder if he would want to take – because he's 23. I wonder if he'd want to take a two plus one so he would have like two years to kind of prove where he's at. And then he could take that player option or he could, right. you know, walk away and go get more money. Um, That'd be smart. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like he would probably, if I'm Malik, I would take two plus one for 45 million. Yeah. I think that seems, I think that that seems good. I know Rich Paul in the past has been a, like a big time one plus one guy. Like he's gotten a lot of players one plus one deals. Um, I don't think that Beasley is in the position to be able to do that at this point, but well, uh, neither was Contavious Caldwell Pope, really. But <laughs> but <laughs> but he got it, you That's know. Fair. And so, especially with with twenty twenty one off season being so full of free agents, I think that that gives Beasley a little bit of flexibility to be like, okay, well, I had a really good year, so yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of teams with cap space. I want to go make my money now, or I didn't have that good of a year. Let's talk Timberwolves. <laughs> you know, like let's let's restructure. Um, so I I would give him. I would sign a one plus one for, you know, whatever, twenty five million or whatever it would be. Um, but a two plus one would probably be more ideal for me at forty five. For the Timberwolves, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think I am right in lockstep with you. The next person we have under restricted free agency is Juancho Hernan Gomez, most recently seen skimming the waters of Lake Minnetonka with Joshua Okogie uh, in their Instagram stories. 
What is Juancho's potential? I think backup four is probably his peak potential, um, but like a strong backup four on a good team. Maybe a seventh man right behind Malik Beasley. He stretches the floor. He doesn't really make up for Carl Anthony Towns on the defensive end in any way, but he does have a tremendous amount of length. And uh, and, I, and I think he has the agility to be able to cover the three when he needs to. So this like switching concept that we're working on with uh, defensively with Vanderpool and uh, and Ryan, I think will work well with Juancho. I think he fits well into the system. So I do hope that we sign him. And obviously for significantly less than what Beasley is going to sign for, hopefully. Maybe around like the five to seven range for me. How about you? Yeah, I would like I, – I see him as like a two for 12, three for 15 type player. I think he's a legitimate shooter. And looking at his numbers, it seems like he does better with volume. So if he if he's playing more, he seems to be he seems to shoot better. So he definitely needs to get in a rhythm and in a groove. <laughs> That's kind of the problem with having all shooters in the first place, right. right? All of your players then are going to be streaky. Right. So the thing I like about Juan Hernan Gomez is that he can like he can shoot from deep. Like he can really really stretch the floor, and his shot is really quick. Uh, but he's he's really limited offensively. He pretty much can only shoot. He can't put the ball on the floor really um he in like anecdotally it seemed like he was not really able to make a lot of layups that were contested um it looks like he only shot 47 and a half percent from two point range this season which is not very good um but shooting is really valuable and so he might push for more money i don't really know if he has you know, the grounds to push for more money. But I would like two for 12 or three for 15. That seems good for me. Yeah, I mean, his shooting from zero to three feet, it went up when he joined the Timberwolves. So he was right around 60%, which is where you want to be for a big Mm -hmm. man. And throughout his career, he's 60%, 62.4% from zero to three feet. I do like how creative he is with his arm like he's he has the longest longest arms so i feel like he can develop into the type of uh the type of paint scorer that you would need to be as a stretch for like where he but yeah he can't really put the ball on the floor to do that either so uh so it's not like he's going to be doing a ton of driving and kicking but as a backup for that's not totally necessary, probably. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily, and he he also like you know he doesn't pass particularly well, so he really is a little bit of a one trick pony, but it's an important trick in the NBA um, three point shooting. So I don't know. I think that both Beasley and Hernan Gomez are in positions of power because the Wolves did give up their whole roster and got these two players that are coming up on restricted free agency. Neither player has made very much money in the NBA, but I think that they see potential here to make some money. Um, so I, I'm i a little nervous about the Wolves signing for big money, but the, the good thing is that Gerson has shown the ability to move big money around. So Yeah, he's not afraid to let him go, I don't think. I, I, I think he'll at least keep Malik Beasley. And... Get a solid deal for him, too. Yeah. 
with Juancho, I just don't know. If he's going to start asking for crazy money like other big men or like fours have been asking for, like Bobby Portis and uh, what's-his-face on the Hawks. John Collins. Well, John Collins, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I was thinking of Jabari Parker. Oh, uh, he's on the Kings now, by the way. Oh, yeah. Or did they trade him at the deadline? I don't remember when he got traded, but he is definitely a king now. Anyway, either way, there are a lot of fours that get like outrageous money for some reason. And so if he's asking for like $10 million a year because he thinks he's a starting power forward in the NBA, yeah, just let him go. Who cares? Because he's probably not a starting four on a team that wants to make a deep playoff run. Uh, and I don't love the fit of him next to Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, you're just really giving up 100% on rim protection and defense if that's what you're going to do. I know that it seems like the players are in have the advantage right now in terms of negotiation, but I actually do. As a fan personally, I wouldn't I wouldn't be disappointed if we didn't end up with either of those players. Uh, when all is said and done, as long as we ended up with other players that uh, that are somewhat promising, right? Right. Uh, or if we end up with like a Devin Booker or a Karis LeVert. Yeah, I see it as more of like a tryout. And they both passed the tryout for what we wanted them to do. So that's great. And if they can fit in in the future, great. If not, that's fine, too. All right, let's move on to the last restricted free agent of note for the Wolves, and that's Jordan McLaughlin, the uh, undrafted rookie at a USC. coast-to-coast coast starlet. Um, you know, Jordan McLaughlin is in a particularly tricky situation because he has no, like, I, f- I feel like there is no guarantee that he will uh, stay in the league. Like, if he doesn't sign with the Wolves, I don't know if another team will sign him to any sort of a long-term deal. And so I think this presents an opportunity for the Wolves to sign, do they call it the hinky special, where it's like a one year of guaranteed money and then three years of non-guaranteed money. It's like the same contract that Noel and Nas Reed and, and those folks are on. So where he's on something close to the minimum, under two million, but he uh, has team options for the next three years. Yes, yeah, that'd be amazing. Like at his peak, he's like a solid backup cent- uh, point guard, but I don't know if he's actually gonna be that for like. He, he doesn't and he have seems... the size to be a starting point guard. He's I never, mean, yeah, he's never his... gonna be a starter. He's five eleven with a six three wingspan. You look at other players who are six feet tall. Uh, and their wingspan's a lot bigger. Jeff Teague, for example, I looked up his wingspan. I think it's like six seven. Yeah. Uh, but J Mac is just not going to be able to get to the rim consistently against starting lineups. Right. That's never going to happen for him. And I, and yes, he did improve drastically. But in his first game, it was embarrassing how bad he was to the point that Etchlinga immediately thought that he was going to be out of the league and never play again after his first game <laughs> <laughs> to his credit we were wrong he changed his game completely he started getting to the rim he got the ball higher on his layups and wasn't getting blocked as much was kind of just figuring out what he could and couldn't get away with since he doesn't have the 
size and athleticism of some of the stars in the league. And even some of the just regular NBA players that are just supernaturally gifted uh, in terms of size and athleticism. Uh, so he's just become a really smart player for the Timberwolves. He has a qualifying offer of $1.5 million, and I think the Wolves will probably take that and probably restructure that next season so we don't even have to worry about. And, and I think he'll take that as well. And, we don't, and that way we don't have to worry about uh, what he's worth in the future. Yeah. And hopefully we can restructure him to something like what you were talking about with Jalen Noel and all that stuff. Yep, and the backup point guard market is deep. So I don't think there's going to be much competition for teams coming in with any sort of deals for Jordan McLaughlin. So the Wolves are in the position of power here. And I think that that's actually probably a good call that they'll probably just take the qualifying offer. They'll let it, you know, let the time run out and then they'll restructure when the time comes. Um, so some J-Max stats, because uh, he actually gave us a little bit of a shout out. My girlfriend got me a cameo for my birthday and <laughs> she made him talk about uh, Coast to Coast. So that was quite nice of them both. But he was fourth in box plus minus on the entire Timberwolves team this year. And that's not insignificant because he played in 30 games. And that's more games than most Timberwolves. I will played. say, I, I, will, I will say, yeah, one, not a lot of Timberwolves played. Two, um, there weren't a lot of very good Timberwolves this year. So uh, <laughs> that, that stat is a little weighted. But keep going. Fourth in box plus minus. <laughs> he was second in win shares per 48. Sick. He had a 13.7% uh, turnover percentage. And that was lowest amongst uh, Wolves point guards. And for kind of for reference for anybody who doesn't know turnover percentage, I think anything under 15% is considered pretty solid. Uh, Tyus was like under 10% when he broke the record or whatever for turnover, to, like the uh, assist to turnover ratio. Um, and he had 4.2 assists for every turnover, which was best amongst the team, among, amongst anybody who played over 200 minutes. And this all happened in 30 games and 590 minutes. I think that he has a place in the league, at least for now. And that's just awesome. You know, for, for a guy who went to a small college like USC, just it's a heartwarming story. I wouldn't call USC a small college, but it's not necessarily <laughs> a basketball college. I was just kidding. Um, Dylan, do you want to do you want to get tell the people what he said about our podcast? So he gave us a podcast review. That goes to each and every one of our listeners. Even J-Mac gave us a podcast review, and you can't give us a review. Give us a review. Review us on iTunes. Give us five stars. You could say anything you want, to be honest, and it would be an improvement above what we already have because we, don't, we hardly have anything. But he said, definitely going to have to uh, you know, tune in and listen to see how that is. Pretty sure it's good, though. Pretty sure... It's good, though. That is a rave review right there. Little does he know. Uh, I feel so bad for him. I think we could get him on the podcast for, like, if we just say 100 bucks, maybe. What do you think? Uh, 100 bucks. Get him on the podcast. For, for 15 minutes? 30? Yeah. Just a short interview. Yeah. I mean, I think we should reach out. He's a $37 cameo. So... You know, hundred fifty maybe. Yeah, extrapolate that. The cameo was how long? A minute. But he had to read the email from the. I don't know. Like my my girlfriend sent a long ass email for that cameo too, and he had to get out a lot of information in that minute. So you're really handsome, and you've got great hair, and uh, you're a great bass player. 
yeah, we should. My primary instrument. We should definitely reach out. So I think we both agree. Wolves should just do that qualifying offer and then move forward that way. Let's move on to some bigger NBA news. So as we know, the NBA bubble is here. They've started to play scrimmage games and real life games begin on Thursday, July 30th, which is very exciting. Um, Dylan, how will the bubble affect teams and which teams are like at an advantage and which are at a disadvantage? Let's, let's start with the teams who are like disadvantaged here. So who do you think has the bigger disadvantage, younger teams or older teams in the bubble? I can't tell. Because I think the older teams have the advantage in the brain and the younger teams have the advantage in the young legs. But uh, what's more important on the basketball court in a seven-game series, I think it's going to end up being probably the older teams. The older teams are going to have more of an advantage. The younger teams are probably going to be at a disadvantage just because they haven't seen playoff basketball, actual competitive NBA basketball because they didn't they haven't even played they're gonna play eight games of competitive regular season basketball before they're thrown into a seven game series um and and players like john morant and zion williamson haven't seen zion hasn't seen hardly any competitive basketball whatsoever in the nba but but even jaw hasn't seen the march april type of basketball that happens before the regular season ends even so I think it's going to be really difficult for those teams. Even Jaron Jackson Jr., um, all the all, Brandon Clark, all those players on on the Grizzlies are super young, and so I think if I'm the Lakers, I'm like that's the team that I want to play. Obviously, right? The, I mean, this this right here is why I think the Blazers are going to make the playoffs because exactly. starting game one of these seeding games, they're playoff games for the Pelicans the Trailblazers, and the Grizzlies. They are eight playoff games. and They're, they're all in contention right now because all you need to be, they're three and a half games back. All you needed to be is four games back Yep. in order to get a playoff. Yep, and like the Kings and Phoenix, forget about it. They're done. I have no belief in their ability to <laughs> get, catch these teams. Um, and and I forgot the Spurs were even playing until I checked the, oh, yeah, uh, the my, Spurs. <laughs> my TV guide today. I was like... NBA TV said Spurs at Pacers. I was like, no, thank you. Yeah, no, no, Lamarcus Aldridge either. So yikes. Um, but and and there, there's like, if there's anybody I don't want to see in a playoff series, Damian Lillard is toward the top of the list. Uh, we all saw what he did in the playoffs last year. He took a team, uh, a Portland team, that was not the second best team in the Western Conference to the Western Conference Finals. Um, and he did it carrying the team on his back, shooting like I've never seen anybody shoot in the playoffs before. Step back, deep step back three to send Oklahoma City packing. To he, I mean, he ended Oklahoma City as a team himself. Um, so I think you're right. that The advantage here goes to the older teams, the teams who know like starting game one. It's a playoff game. Um, I think the younger teams could struggle to get their mind right. And the other thing is that like the younger teams should have been at an advantage at the end of a regular season because of their young legs, but now all the older players have been have had the chance to get their legs back. Literally, Yusuf Nurkic got the use of his legs back. <laughs> so 
Uh, I th- I think that it's I'm I'm almost willing to say that it's a lock that Portland will be the eight seed. I think that is the right pick, and I think the Lakers better be scared because they, especially with Avery Bradley gone, that's one less body to help with C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, um, and yeah. it, it's going to be really hard for the Lakers because they they don't have guards. I mean KCP and Caruso. And Caruso. Quinn Cook. Is Quinn Cook going to guard Dame and no, CJ? Quinn Cook's not going to guard shit. You know, and the Blazers are good at shooting threes, and they're good at, they like, CJ McCollum is an incredible mid-range creator, and so they've got ways to exploit the Lakers' size, and they can also match their size on the other end with Whiteside and Nurkic and Collins and... Um, even Nas Little is is big and, and defensive minded. The only thing that they're missing is they don't have a shooting or a small forward at the moment. I think Carmelo Anthony is going to be their starting small forward, and then after that, it's Nas Little, maybe Gary Trent Jr. Um, but I don't know. I would be scared of Dame and CJ if I was the Lakers. The other thing that I think is at a disadvantage, the next disadvantage, I should say, mm-hmm. is. That teams were on a hot streak. Any team that was on a hot streak, this is not a good break for them. The Lakers were on a super, super hot streak coming out of that weekend where LeBron finally beats Giannis. He uh, or he finally beats Giannis and Kawhi and starts to get back into the MVP conversation for the first time in two years. OKC, super hot going into the break. Are they going to be able to carry that into the bubble? I don't know. Um, especially as basketball starts slowing down, is it going to be as advantageous for them to be running the three-guard lineup that they've been running in crunch time thus far? And maybe that would be effective against a team like the Lakers, but it's not going to be effective against a team like the Clippers. It's not going to be effective against a lot of these super, super strong defensive teams that have a lot of strong uh, defensive guards on their team. What are some other teams that that had a huge hot streak going into this? Pelicans are coming into the break. They were eight and five going into the break in their last thirteen games, so they were figuring things out. Zion was back. They were putting it together. Zion looked really, really good. Um, but I mean, this just gave Zion some more time to get in shape and get fully healthy. So you know that that might be good for them because it's also you know an advantage of the bubble and this hiatus was teams with nagging injuries could get some players back on the court and healed. Portland Trailblazers with Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic both are healthy now, which adds to their roster big time. The Philadelphia the Bucks. Seven the Bucks. Um the Philadelphia 76ers, Al Horford had nagging injuries all season. He seems healthy now and ready to go. They also got time to refigure their lineup. Um, and have Horford come off the bench, which is working a lot better. Um, so there, there are teams that get an advantage of just like having some time to heal and and getting ready to go. Are there any other advantages, Dylan? I think teams that have good pickup players is what I've been noticing. Like J.R. Smith has been a star in summer league, and I think with smaller crowds. Um, with the like intimate setting where it's almost like it's a street basketball court, like everybody's comparing this to how it looks like the 2K basketball court right now. But yeah. like PG has looked incredible 
He's just been draining spot-up threes all across the court. Lou Will has looked really good. All these players that have that iso ball type of game, Dion Waiters looked really good. But a lot of these players that just keep the ball in their hands and uh, and get to the basket or shoot threes or whatever, know how to pull up from any spot on the court, I think these players are going to thrive in this type of environment where all bets are off. Everything that we know about NBA basketball could be completely flipped. I definitely feel that. I mean, there is a, an element of randomness and like an, an element of anything could happen to this whole bubble series. So I, I think that's a good take of uh, this like sort of different style of play, this more intimate style of play. I think that some weird shit could happen and I expect some weird shit to happen that uh, no one sees coming. Especially, especially like PG always crumbles under pressure, especially against LeBron. Mm-hmm. And and what kind of pressure will he be feeling if he doesn't have his home crowd like watching him, or doesn't have in a way crowd watching him uh, as he's about to lose to LeBron? I think he's gonna be clutch. I think from what I've seen, he looks like he could be the first team All NBA player that the Clippers thought they were getting this last season. Yeah. Yeah, he really could. I, I, I really look forward. I hope that the Clippers and Lakers get to face each other because that's going to be a fucking amazing series. Um, all right, we got a couple more things. So the, the Timberwolves have a Brooklyn Nets draft pick, which is directly tied to them making the playoffs. However, the Brooklyn Nets are entering this bubble without Kyrie, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, or Spencer Dinwiddie. No Torian Prince, no Wilson Chandler. Dylan, that was six players, five of whom had been in the the Brooklyn Nets rotation all year. So the only person that wasn't in the Brooklyn Nets rotation all year was uh, Kevin Durant. <laughs> the other five players had been playing for Brooklyn, and Brooklyn only won, what are they, thir- they have 36 wins? I don't have it up right now. One sec. But their starting lineup right now is... Chris Chioza, Karis LeVert, Garrett Temple, Timothy Timote, Luau Cabro, and Jared Allen. Yeah, and so w- with a full rotation, the uh, Brooklyn Nets only won 30 games this season. And now they're missing, I don't know. Six of their four- best eight players? Yeah. I mean, most of their good players are, are gone now. So there's a chance that the uh, Nets could miss the playoffs. I have a conspiracy, Chalenga. Oh, yeah. What is it? I think that the Nets might be trying to keep their pick. I think they might be tanking on purpose to try to keep their pick so they don't have to give the, the pick to the Timberwolves this year so they can use it to get another player to pair with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I mean, if they think that they can find a nice player to pair with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving at 14. They're going to get Brad Beal. More power to them. <laughs> um, now, what I think would be good about the Nets making the, excuse me, making the playoffs and performing well in these seeding games is that it would significantly raise Karis LeVert's trade value. Because if the Nets do make the playoffs... It's going to because be because Karis LeVert is good enough to take them there. But if they have Karis LeVert plus the pick, 
is that better Ooh. than Karis LeVert if he plays well in the playoffs and they don't get their pick? I don't think uh, the 14th overall pick is going to be that juicy in this draft. I don't um, know. I think the Wizards will need a bunch of firsts from from the Nets, and this one would be the best first that they could possibly get. That's true. That's true. Um, but you know what? We're spending a lot of time talking about you know how <laughs> how bad the Nets are, but really the team that has to catch them is the Washington Wizards. Now the Washington Wizards are currently five and a half games behind the Brooklyn Nets, so the the Washington Wizards <laughs> they, have they to gain two games they they have to be within four games and then they have to win two games in a row against the Brooklyn Nets to go into the playoffs. So the the Wizards have to win. Two more games, I guess technically four more games because they have to beat the Nets twice um, than the Nets in these seeding games. And right now the Wizards are without Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans. They're two best players. And their starting lineup in a scrimmage game was Shabazz Napier, Troy Brown Jr., Isaac Bonga, Rui Hachimura, and Thomas Bryant. Oh, boy. If you're getting like 2014 Lakers rejects on your team on your in your starting lineup, your team's doomed. You're super doomed. Super doomed. I don't even like Isaac Bonga, I can't tell you a single thing about him as a player. <laughs> um except that he was supposed to be a point guard, like a super tall point guard, but he he's not good enough. <laughs> uh So, I think the Nets are going to have to work pretty hard to to win one game. Well, to tank, I think that. <laughs> oh, sorry. The wi- uh, no, yeah, the Wizards. That's what I meant to say. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wizards are going to have to work really hard to win one game. And looking at the schedule, the Wizards' schedule is a little bit harder than the Nets. Um, the Nets get to play the Kings and the Suns, and the Wizards. They both play Milwaukee and Boston. So I mean, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough road for both of them. But I, my money's on the Nets. I I think Karis Levert and Garrett Temple. Or next, sorry, not Kara Temple. Karis LeVert and Jarrett Allen, um, <laughs> plus plus Joe Harris. Joe Harris is there too. That gives me more. I, I have more faith in that than I do in Rui or Shabazz or Thomas Bryant or Mo Wagner or you know whoever else is on this Wizards team. What do you think? Yeah, I'm wondering why Karis LeVert and and Joe Harris can't start together. Why why is this Chris Chioza guy so special? Yeah, I don't. Karis can probably run their offense just as well. Probably. I, I don't know. I don't know why Joe Harris wasn't starting at the three. Um, and he might. I, I, I don't know. Their lineups are going to be weird. They're just putting they're going to have to put shit together. I mean, they have Jamal Crawford on their team now. So fuck, anything goes. Speaking of streetball players, Jamal fucking Crawford, dude, he could have Oof. a hell of a hell of a seeding game. I hope he starts Just start him. Who cares? All right. And our last segment I'm going to play a little trivia with Dylan. So there's a lot of new young players who are entering the bubble because there's a lot of players who had to sit out either for health reasons or because they felt like they didn't want to compete. And so there's a lot of players who I and I think many of our listeners and Dylan have not heard of who are in the Orlando bubble. So we're going to play a game of trivia called Orlando Orando. I have that is spicy (laughs) that's good right you spent a lot of time working on that I did I really did it um I'm very proud of it so I have eight players some of them 
are real players in the bubble. Some of them are fake players that I made up. I'm going to give you their name, their height, maybe their weight, if it's important, their position, which team they play for, and a brief bio. Then you're going to have to guess you if that player... You wrote a bio for these players? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Then you're going to have to guess if that player is Orlando or Rando. Dylan, are you ready? Yeah. How many players am I guessing? There's eight players total. Okay, cool. So this first player, six a 6'6 six, six shooting guard for the Toronto Rafters, Paul Watson, went undrafted in the 2017 draft out of Fresno State. Played one season in Europe, two seasons in the G League, joined Toronto for the bubble. Paul Watson. Orlando, baby. I believe in that. I believe in the Toronto Raptors G League team. Ding, 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 ding. That is Orlando. Good job, Dill. Thank you. I could tell. I could just tell based on. Uh, I feel like the I feel like the Raptors have had a, a huge success with their G League team. Whether it was like wasn't uh, wasn't uh, what's his face in there? Uh, the who's their who's their point guard now? Oh, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, Van Vliet. He was in Van he, Vliet. He yeah, came Terrence Davis, Chris Boucher, yeah. Pascal Siakam. I mean, they they are a great development spot. Good job. Is All he right. is he white? No, he is not white. Okay, he's got a very white name. Yes, Paul Watson. Paul Watson. Um, all right, on to the next one. This six foot five, two hundred thirty pound small forward for the Kings uh, went undrafted out of Tulsa in twenty in the twenty nineteen NBA draft. This is Daquan Jeffries. Who's he playing for? The Kings. Daquan Jeffries. That's a rando. That's a rando. You say rando? Yes. Oh, are they He's all in Orlando, Orlando baby? <laughs> <laughs> they better all be Orlando. <laughs> That's Daquan Jeffries out of Tulsa. He's Daquan uh, Jeffries. He's a thick boy, 6'5", 230 pounds. For reference, I'm about 6'5", and I weigh 180 pounds. So he is thick. I honestly, one of the reasons... I Tulsa, Oklahoma has been in the news lately, so I was figuring, oh, maybe he's taken it from like just mm. subconsciously being thinking about Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't know. Yeah, that's Daquan that's Jeffries. a good guess. Daquan Jeffries. Um all right. This next player is a six foot seven small forward for the Indiana Pacers. Uh he played two years at Wichita State and went undrafted in twenty nineteen. Uh his name is Jonte Bingham and he's a raw athletic wing. I know I know immediately that is a rando. That is 100% a rando. You that sounds John- like a name that you made up. Jonte Bingham is a rando? Yes, absolutely. Dylan, you are correct. That is a rando. <laughs> <laughs> also, Wichita State gave it away because I knew that you'd, you would pick a Kansas school. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll see, what, I'll see if I can get you again. <laughs> All right, two this, three. That's not that bad. This six foot ten center uh, for Toronto uh, was drafted with the 59th pick in the 2019 NBA draft out of Miami. He is an energy big man named Dewan Hernandez. 
That's in Orlando. That's Orlando, baby. Dewan Hernandez is in Orlando. Good job, oh. Dylan. So right Ooh. now you are you are four for five. You're doing a great job. I okay. So I was completely torn on this one because Dewan Hernandez does sound like a person who doesn't exist because he has <laughs> a Mexican last name and a black first name. But I just went with my gut, which was that Masai Ujiri will pick guys with weird names because he's got such a weird name. I, it does sound like a generated 2K name, like big time. <laughs> All right. This six foot nine power forward for the Orlando Magic is a raw athletic big drafted 55th in the 2018 NBA draft out of Tulane. His name is Amir Michael. Rando, baby. That's got to be Rando. He does play for Orlando, but he is a rando. Woo! Dude, you're killing it. I thought these made-up names were going to be good. <laughs> but I guess uh, Amir you Michael? Sing, seeing right through them. No, no. Amir Michael's too good of a name. See, if Amir Michael were a real person, he would be a famous NBA star just based off of his name. Well, it's spelled M-Y-C-H-A-L. Even I should have explained that. <laughs> All right, this uh, six-foot-one point guard uh, went undrafted out of Western Kentucky. He was a four-year point guard. Uh, he currently plays for the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns. Uh, this is Mike Smith. Wait, so the Phoenix Suns are an NBA franchise? The Phoenix Suns are an NBA franchise, and they are in the bubble. Oh, okay. and I thought that was a rando. <laughs> I thought the Phoenix Suns was a rando. No, 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 no. Um, oh, let me think. Could you repeat could could you repeat the uh college of origin, please? Uh Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, four year senior. Um could I get the could I get the year drafted and position drafted, please? Undrafted in twenty nineteen. R A N D O. You think he's a rando? Yes. You're right, Dylan. Mike Smith is a rando. I'm too good at this. This is this (laughs) This six foot eleven center for the San Antonio Spurs. Most recently played for Fenerbahce, uh, draft and stash from 2017 from Latvia. And excuse my pronunciation, Andruj Pischenix. Chalanga, you just gave it away. If you can't even pronounce the name, then he has to be Orlando. Dylan, you're wrong. He is a rando. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was a good fake out. You're like, oh, excuse the pronunciation. I don't know how my made up name is pronounced. I really don't. The last that name is P I Z S C I E N I K S. And finally, that was good. That was a good one. This six foot eight power forward for the Utah Jazz, a four year player out of Indiana. He's an offense first big man, Jawan Morgan. Morgan. Related to Tracy? Uh, Unclear. 
Juwan Morgan for the Utah Jazz. What could I get his height and weight, please, again? Six foot eight power forward. You don't have the poundage? No listed weight on my sheet. Okay. That's a rando. That's a rando for sure. Juwan Morgan is Orlando. Oh, no. Yeah, he is a power forward for the Jazz. I think they picked him up after uh, Bojan Bogdanovic opted out because they need some power forward minutes. Gross. So, Dylan, you did a great job, though. You got five uh, of eight. Five of eight. Uh, yeah, five of eight. Good job. So, my fakies were Amir Michael, Andruj Pischenics. Mike Smith and Jonte Bingham. And the real life NBA players in the bubble are Paul Watson, Daquan Jeffries, Jawan Morgan, and Dewan Hernandez. Dewan Hernandez. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Dill, that was a good one. Went a little long, there but it felt good. All right. Which one of the real players mm-hmm. do you think will still play another game in the NBA outside of Orlando? Oh, that is a Good question. I haven't seen any of them play, (laughs) (laughs) but my money is on uh, Daquan Jeffries because he is like a big physical wing player. And so I think that teams will give him more of a shot than like unskilled big men. And that's the shallowest position you know? in the league. So, so that would be my guess. And he's played significant minutes for like I have act, I have seen him play because I watched a king scrimmage and he was doing stuff. So, good for him. No Lakers, of course not. Didn't feel that love. <laughs> you know all the Lakers, and not, they don't really sign anyone weird. They signed J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters. I don't know Dion Waiters. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA Pod, on Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA. Uh, send us an email at Coast to Coast NBA Pod at gmail.com. And as always, make sure you subscribe, you rate, you review, you download. It's good for us. I mean, not that we're going to make any money off of this at any point, but just do it for do it for us because you love us and you care about us and, and you want the best for us um and please as i always say if we get more emails i might consider doing this more often so is that a threat even outside of a pandemic yeah even outside of a pandemic when i have shit to do um all right dylan much love and until next time love you Mwah.